but, but God. So there was a common theme in all of the worship music this morning. The blood. The blood. Some people is right now, if you can't sing them songs and just feel like a joy deep within your soul, something's wrong. Like, we, we need to go back to the ABCs of Christianity and look at your salvation and, and make sure that you're at the right spot, that you did come to the emergency room this morning. This is a soul triage center, kind of what goes on around here. And see, our Heavenly Father this morning, he's got this surgery scalpel because the last time I checked, he was the great physician. He, he was the healer. He was the alpha. He was the omega. And he is the beginning and he is also the end. And the most beautiful part about that, he is not the author of confusion. That's the enemy. So if you've walked in this morning and you're confused, you are in the right spot. And when we tend to lean in on songs like the blood and, and I hear what washes me, what, what makes me white as snow. And I know that it's the crimson blood. It's the blood of the lamb. It's the word of God. It's Jesus. I know we're supposed to be in Jonah, but there's something that happened. I, I said to the guys this morning in our prayer, I, I said, I am not stepping out of worship unless a scud missile was to land on this building and then I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. And I didn't. Like I wasn't budging. And even when my wife was coming to me saying, well, when, when does the kids go out or when is this, when is that? I was still just like, Brip. I blocked it off. Because I want to be in the presence of the Lord from now to the day he comes and then reign with him for eternity. This is good news this morning. Friends, I want you to know I have been praying for you thoroughly, thoroughly. Woke up at 3 a.m. this morning, wrecked, wrecked for each and every one of you wrecked for our church, just been in a boxing match with the enemy. And, and I said, by the grace of God, I'm going to tick the enemy off so bad because every worship song is going to have to do with the redeeming work of the cross and the finished work that took place on the cross in the blood and the blood of the Lamb. And that's what we did. Changed them worship music songs out at least three or four times this morning. They was in there trying to have Sunday school and they're telling me, they're saying, Man, I could hear you playing the blood, this about this and this about that. And I, I just kept saying, Lord, what is it that you want this morning? And he reminded me of Romans. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. I don't care how far down the scale you think you've gone. I don't care how bad you think life is. Let me tell you something. You call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Not you might be, you shall be. God is good all the time. Even when life's hard, God is good all the time. If you think this life's bad, be outside Christ Jesus on the day you draw your last breath. It gets even worse. Gets even worse. Well, I do want to keep up with the charge that the Lord has given me, and that is walking us through the book of Jonah. So I do want to stay in the context and stay with what the Lord give me. 
uh, as far as the assignment. And, and when I say the assignment, it was several months ago, praying to the Lord, what book would you have us go through next? It was Jonah. So if you have your Bibles, go on and be flipping. We're still in Jonah chapter 1, and, and I know I said last week that we was going to finish out Jonah. Well, little did I know that there's that one last verse in 17, and we're not going to cover that today. I don't care about the great fish yet. We got some track work to do first before we get to the fish. And you'll see the fish is in verse 17. So actually, next week we will finish chapter 1. But if you do have your Bibles, would ask that you would go on and uh, flip to Jonah chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, it will be on the monitors behind me. We're going to cover verses 7 through 16 this morning. I said that's a lot of ground. We've only covered six verses in the last two weeks. And, and, but I, I love giving the text its due diligence. So would ask out of reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ and his holy word this morning, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. Starting in verse 7, it says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up, hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to the dry land. But they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. For they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not, us, lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord... Have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and hurled him into the sea. And the seas seized from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning. And as we run through this passage. God, may we give due diligence to your holy word. May we see ourselves in here. Father, I ask that you would hide this pastor behind the cross and let your word go forth. May your Holy Spirit be in this room. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So, so far, Jonah has lost his testimony. Jonah has busted everything here. See, he wasn't living up to his name. Remember, as we said a couple weeks ago, Jonah means dove. And the dove was a symbol of peace. Jonah's not causing peace to be on this ship. He's causing the seas to be raging. 
So he's losing his testimony. His dad's name was Amathiah, which means faithful and truthful. And this is something that Jonah has not been from right out of the gate. He ain't been truthful. He ain't been peaceful. He's in rebellion. See, Jonah wasn't living up to his high calling, friends. For he had brought trouble on everyone instead of a blessing. See, being a Jew, these people knew that blessings come from them. And him being a prophet, his high calling as a prophet, he was doing everything opposite that any prophet would do. Jonah was running from God. You remember our first sermon we ended on, are you running from God? Are you where Jonah was? Are you right in this moment running? Are you the wayward that's in rebellion? We're going to learn something from Jonah over these next several weeks. We're going to learn that God will use a rebellion. God just wants Jonah to do what he's called him to do. And I want to look at our first point this morning, which is God is in control. No matter what, God is in control. You might think you have control over certain aspects of your life, but ultimately, news flash from the Holy Bible and God's sovereignty, he's in control. You can try all you want, but God Almighty is in control of all things. All things. Let's look at verse 7 real quick. It says, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Now see, this casting lots was something that was of their time. They, they knew that this could be a sign from God. You've seen all throughout Scripture where they talked about casting lots. And just an interesting fact about these lots that they were casting, which was like a dice, but it was uh, to be dark on one side and light on the other. It was made out of a sheep's ankle bone. So you could just imagine. It's not like the little pretty dice that you could go to the dollar store and buy that has numbers one through six on it. It's not that kind of dice. It's an actual ankle bone. I mean, these guys was living in rough times. And in these times, what they would do is, because of their, their outfits, they would kind of like squat down, and it would make almost like a table, and they would just kind of cast it. And wherever it landed, that's how they would know it would land flat in the lap. And this would mean that God would determine the outcome. This was not by chance that the lots landed on Jonah. You know, notice that it says lots, not a lot. It was two dice. So just think about this for a moment. When I was reading and studying on it, you know, they're going around to the people on the ship, and they're casting these lots on them. One would be dark, one would be light. That would opt them out. Well, when it gets to Jonah, both of them's the same color. He's caught red-handed, red-handed, thinking he's hiding from God, and something so simple got him jammed up. How many of us, we think that we're hiding and we're doing really, really good? Well, I want you to think if you was Jonah this morning. If, if God cast a lot on you, if, if someone just threw it on you, what would it show up? You innocent or guilty of something? Where would you be at? And this is things we must look at. Look at Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 33 with me real quick. It says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. 
So these guys knew when they cast it into the lot, this decision was from the Lord. There was no way Jonah could deny this. Jonah's caught, red-handed, as some would say, with his hand in the cookie jar. He's caught. And these fishermen, I'd hate to have been on that boat because you know they was rough around the edges. And usually they would only use one, but as I said, in this case, they wanted to use two. And both had to land on the same color. That way there was no options in or out. It was either guilty or not. There was no in-between. And we see this elsewhere in the scriptures where they would cast lots. If you look over just two chapters over, Proverbs 18, 18 says this. The lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. So everything going on, all the commotion, they knew. If we cast these lots, it puts an end to it. It's going to show us. That was their ways. And this is the way that Yahweh, God, would show them things. Then again, in Acts 1.26, because you want to say, well, what about the New Testament? Well, we see when the disciples here, it says, and they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Again, casting lots. There's significance there. This was their way of knowing it was God. So when the lot lands on Jonah... He can no longer avoid making decisions. No more can he hide in the corner and just keep quiet. Jonah's faced with reality. He must confess. He must say who he is and what's going on. As we will see in verse 8, first before we go there, God will expose you. I want you to know that this morning. No matter what you try to do, God will eventually expose you. Verse 8 says this, Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? Notice how they're grilling him. I think of the first 48 when they stick people in the rooms. It's almost as if, what's your occupation? What are you doing? Where'd you come from? Where'd you go? How you doing? Man, Jonah's backed in a corner. They're peppering this dude down with questions. Have you ever been backed in a corner like that? Well, friends, it's not fun. Jonah's trapped here with no way out. He's under fire. He's got nowhere else to hide. Nowhere. Everything's against him. God's exposing him. And now he's really stuck in a corner. And watch his answer. Verse 9, it says, And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. See, Jonah just told them by answering the last question first, I am a Hebrew. This had to mess them up because they know Yahweh was the God of Hebrews. They know this. How do they know this? Because of Exodus chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Oh, there's that three again. I loved it when it popped up. 
But notice that they said to the Lord, our God, the God of Hebrews. So this means that Jonah is a worshiper of Yahweh. I like using the word Yahweh because anytime you see the Lord in all capital letters, it's talking about Yahweh, like the Holy of Holies. Man, they wouldn't even mention that name. They knew. They knew better. And these poor fishermen, when they hear that, I could only imagine the looks on their face. You mean to tell me you've done this to us? What have you done? Man, if it would have been 2021, there ain't no telling what would have happened to poor Jonah. They would have probably took him outside and beat the tar out of him. Said, man, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Poor Jonah. He just confessed God. He just witnessed to these sailors that he is a prophet. He has to witness whether he likes it or not. Because why, church? This was his calling. Notice how God worked that out. He had to witness of God to these heathens. That's what they was. Outside of Christ Jesus, you're a heathen. And he just witnessed Yahweh to them. Look with me at verse 10 real quick. It says, Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. Why? Because he had just told them. So imagine how they felt. I can hear them now. What have you done? The God who created the very seas, and now you're trying to run from him on the sea? Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? Jonah's probably looking at him like a stump on the log. Jonah probably don't get it when he should. See, these sailors were now not only afraid of the storm and what was going on, but what else was to come. They knew this is the God of gods, the God of the lowercase g gods. He is all capital letters. And they served lowercase letter gods. They cried out to their gods earlier, but now they knew they was messing with the God, the creator of all things. See, these sailors, they knew about Jonah's God. They knew about it. They knew about the Hebrew God who had brought down the plagues on Egypt to free the children of Israel. They knew about the Hebrew God that had parted the Red Sea so Israel could escape from Pharaoh's army. They knew about the Hebrew God that had protected Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, leading them with a cloud of, of the day and a pillar of fire by night. They knew about this Hebrew God. They knew about it. They knew about the Hebrew God that parted the Jordan River. To enable the Hebrews to cross into the canon. This was a great God. Mighty and majestic. Holy. They knew about this God. And yet, Jonah's trying to flee this God. Man, if we looked in the mirror, so many of us today are trying to flee this God that parted the seas, that made a way out. So in our third thing this morning, I want to look at this, that God will go to extreme measures. God will go to extreme measures. See, verse 11, it says, Then they said to him, 
what shall we do to you? That the sea may quiet down for us. For the sea grew more and more temptuous. See, Jonah didn't have the will to try to fix this himself. Again, he wants another bailout. He said, what do you mean, pastor, he wants another bailout? Well, in verse 12, listen to what he says. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Jonah knows. Jonah knows. And instead of him just repenting and saying, Lord, I'm, I, I'm sorry. Send me back to land. I, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Instead, he says, no, no, I want a cheap way out. I want to try to be the scapegoat for you. If you don't know what a scapegoat is, look in the New Testament. It's where they put the sins on them, and the scapegoat would run, 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 run. This is what Jonah wanted to do with his life. He wanted to try to be a scapegoat. He wanted death instead of fulfilling his calling. That's not a good idea with God. He didn't have the audacity to just repent. See, Jonah prophesied correctly for the second time. In the book, when he said the sea will quiet down for you. Told him, he said, it'll quiet down. He's already telling them. It's all about me. Get rid of me. And guess what? It's done. It's done. It's done. The first was back in verse 9 when he had said he worships Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. That was his first prophecy right there. He's telling the truth. Second was get rid of me. The storm stops. And Jonah, even though he didn't want them to die for his account, he still wasn't willing to do the will of God. He just wasn't. He was willing to die, but not do the will of God. He was going to go all the way to the grave to keep running from God. He was willing to accept death rather than do God's will. Man, I know some people. I know some people that they're willing to face death rather than just do God's will. They would rather die and, and face eternal judgment than just say, Lord, I'll do whatever. I surrender. I surrender all. Look with, verse, look with me at verse 13 real quick. It says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. See, the sailors here didn't want to kill God's prophet. So they tried to get him back to land. But notice, as hard as they're rolling, listen to the language. They rolled hard. Like, it didn't just say they was like, Mary had a little lamb, like we're going to row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. No, it uses language. They rolled hard. And still couldn't get past God. God is using extreme measures here. And these guys, it was really actually kind of sad. If you think about it, they are just caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's all they was doing. They was doing their regular job and just caught up at the wrong place at the wrong time. Here you got this rebellion prophet that ends up on your boat. And now your life's at jeopardy because of someone else's mess up. Have you ever been there? I know I have. All because of being at the wrong place at the wrong time. That's what these guys went, went through. 
Look with me at verse 15 as we're starting to land this plane. It says, so they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. How do you tell a prophet? If it comes to pass and they don't lie. Jonah just told them, get rid of me. This is why it proves that Jonah's not just some missionary. I love when pastors get in it bickering back and forth. Was Jonah God's first missionary? No. He was a Hebrew prophet running from God in rebellion. And his prophecy had come to pass from verse 12, as I just said, when he said, pick me up and hurl me and the seas will stop. It's raging. Church, friends, if you just, you don't even got to hurl yourself. Go get before the foot of the cross. And the storms around you, they might not stop like super raging, but your soul will be secure. That's good news. Look with me at verse 16 as we're like hitting the runway. And when we hit this runway, I'm going to hit it running because this is really good news here. See, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Notice that this, this prophet... In his rebellion, get someone saved. These guys, they get saved. They started worshiping the Lord. They fell to their knees and they made vows to Yahweh. They made a sacrifice. Oh, that sacrifice. See, vows back then was a public expression of faithful worship. Notice God made Jonah effective in his calling as a prophet to bring people to faith in him. God used his waywardness. These guys, when they got on the boat, they didn't realize that this storm they're about to embark on is about to run them into God. They are about to hit their knees and worship Yahweh. Some of us today need to be like them sailors in the boat. The storm that's around us, we just need to hit our knees and call out to Jesus. We need to say, Lord Jesus, please help us. We need you. We need you. This is one of them spots you want to dance around and you want to say some things and you really want to speak into some things, but but you know where your boundaries is and you know what the Lord's telling you to do, what's right and what's wrong. And, And listen, friends, you don't have to have it all figured out. It's not your job. He done did that. He figured it out for you. He made you a way out. He made you a way out. I was telling someone the other day, I'm sure many of you have seen this online where they had that concert at the Houston uh, thing with the little rapper dude and and all these people died. And and if you looked at all the demonic stuff going around, church, I want to let you know something. Them people was in a storm. And as I told my wife, them teenagers that died, they was hearing all these whores of hell going on around them. And as their souls leaving their body, guess what? It becomes a reality. And it don't have to be your reality this morning. You don't have to hear the terrors of hell be your fruition of your rest of your life. You don't have to. You can hit your knees and say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I'm a wretched sinner that needs to be washed by the blood. You say, well, Pastor William, I got so many questions. Join the bandwagon. We all do. 
There's questions I won't be able to answer. There's questions I, I don't know till I get on that side. And guess what? When I get on that side, I'm not going to be worried about them questions no more because I'm going to be around them cherubs that keep saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I get to sit at the feet of Jesus. Do you? That's the real question. Do you? Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that on this day, on this cold, rainy, ugly November day, if you drew your last breath, you would be in the presence of the Lord in heaven. What does heaven look like? I don't know. The Apostle Paul does. Jesus does. God does. And so does them same cherubs that I just talked about that's standing around in heavenly places saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. How do I get there? Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial death that he died that was a death so that you would no longer be eternally separated from God the Father. Last time I checked, eternity was forever. Not 80 years, not 90 years, but forever. Forever. You have a golden opportunity. Your destiny, your outcome lays in the wake of the next few moments. You have a chance to make things right with God or not. I'm not saying you're going to walk out of here and die. But I'm saying the gospel's been presented to you. Repent and believe. 